All right, welcome back to the show. Here we go now with Vancouver is dying. This is the viral YouTube video that has racked up more than 2 million views. Just checked on YouTube, 2.2 million views right now is how many views for this video. This is a controversial video. It has been applauded by its supporters for taking a real street-level, unflinching look at the crisis in Vancouver of drug overdose deaths, homelessness, the homeless encampment on Hastings Street, the uh, arguments over safe supply of drugs for addicts. It has been criticized by people who think it, it's unfair and exploits the, the poor and homeless in the, in the neighborhood. We've got both sides of it coming up here for you, including filmmaker Aaron Gunn, who's standing by. First, let's have a listen to part of the film. Here it is. Vancouver is dying. Crime is on the rise, violence is rampant, and residents don't feel safe in their own communities, a trend that's only been accelerating over the past few years. That's the voice of Aaron Gunn. He is the maker of this video, political commentator. Very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Aaron, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Mike. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Okay, Aaron, let's talk about Vancouver is dying. And man, oh man, like 2.2 million views of, of this video. I know you've done a lot of viral videos over the years. What do you think about the reaction and the response to this film? Well, it's definitely well beyond any expectations I had for it. Um, I've, I've had some uh, big videos in the past, but nothing like this, uh, especially on, on YouTube and especially in a way where I feel like it's, it's changed the conversation a bit. So, um, and to, to your point uh, earlier, uh, there's obviously some people uh, who don't like it, but from everyday yeah. British Columbians, the result's been pretty positive, uh, 94% uh, positive feedback on, on YouTube. Why did you make this video, and, and what would you say is the main message you're trying to get out with it? Well, it's part of a, a long-form documentary series that I do called Politics Explained, but this episode in particular, this topic in particular, you know, I've lived in BC my entire life. Uh, I've, I've grown up here. I've watched that this situation has gotten worse and worse, and yet everyone kind of just seems to want to double down on the exact same policies at greater expense to taxpayers. And I wanted to find out why. I wanted to pull the curtain back uh, if I could. And I wanted to know if some of these issues like crime, homelessness, overdoses uh, were all connected. Okay, well, let's listen to a little bit more of the video here. And this is early on in the film near the start. Let's have a listen and then we'll get your thoughts. We had a good city in the 90s. What the f*** happened, man? What is happening to Vancouver? One of the wealthiest and most naturally beautiful cities in all of North America has been beset by skyrocketing crime, violent attacks, and a crippling battle with addiction that's literally left thousands of people dead. But what is at the root of all these problems? Okay, so let's talk about what is at the root of all these problems as, as you present it in the video, Aaron. Let's talk about some of the, you cover a lot of ground in this film. Like you got a, uh, what you believe is an underfunded police force, correct? Yeah, I mean, to, to the root of all these problems, there's obviously a lot of problems right now in Vancouver. I think there are a lot of what I would call kind of antagonize, antagonizing factors or, or things that are adding fuel to the fire. But I really think the root of this problem at the end of the day uh, is is drug and drug addiction. Uh, these addictions are fueling crime. 
Uh, they're fueling uh, mental illness issues. Uh, it's a mental illness issue itself. They're fueling homelessness. And, and obviously, it's, it's the main driver, uh, the sole driver of the, the 2,000 deaths, uh, the incredible 2,000 deaths, 2,000 lives lost from overdose uh, last year in B.C. alone. Right. And you get deeply into the whole issue of harm reduction, the harm reduction model in Vancouver, the safe supply of drugs that has a lot of support that people are dying from a toxic drug supply in the streets of the city. So one solution is give people pharmaceutical lab tested drugs instead to stop the over overdose deaths. What do you say about that concept? Cause this gets a lot of attention in the film. Your thoughts. Yeah. So first on the harm reduction, I think we've kind of been running the, uh, this policy of radical harm reduction for the past 20, 20 years. And I think, as far as the experiment goes, the results are in. It, it hasn't decreased harm. In fact, it's done the exact opposite. It has increased addiction. The problem's only gotten worse. And the policy solution of Vancouver seems to be, here's a condom, here's the needle, here's some free drugs, and we're going to give ourselves a pat on the back. And I think it, it hasn't worked. Now, with regard to safe su- supply specifically, I yeah. think it's an oxymoron. That's, that's what I found. These drugs are dangerous. These drugs kill people. I mean, talking safe supply, you're normally talking about hydromorphone, which is being handed out like candy on Halloween by the government at taxpayers' expense, you can overdose on this and die. And on top of that, when we were making the documentary, what shocked me is that the so-called safe supply, or what are actually dangerous opioids, are in many cases being turned around and sold by the addicts to drug dealers on the black market to fund what is an actual factor, fentanyl or crack addiction. And then these dealers are then uh, taking these so-called safe supply drugs, the hydromorphone, supplied ironically by the government, and reselling them to college kids, to, to college students, to high school kids, uh, to other people who maybe are just beginning mm. to experiment with drugs and not... Uh, and, and we were told about this multiple times from uh, people on the downtown east side and then uh, also recovered addicts as well who were recently uh, living there. Speaking to Aaron Gunn, a filmmaker commentator about his video vancouver is dying 2.2 million views on youtube aaron as you know there has been a a lot of reaction for and against the video since it came out and and including i'll have a guest coming up here later in this half hour guy felicella who is a harm reduction advocate he's a he's a former drug addict himself and who's now turned his life around and he is very he's going to be very critical of your film like he's going to say that Okay, he's criticizing the safe supply model, but he he fails to point out that the reason that the reason that that they've opted for safe supply is is because the, the drugs on the street are killing people. You got a toxic drug supply, and that's why pe- so many people are dying. So that's why they want to do it. And so he says that that's not really mentioned in the video. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I'd say there's a little bit of misinformation about kind of the drug poisoning angle. Uh, for, for one thing, I mean, all of these drugs uh, are poisons. I mean, crack heroin, these are not these are not medicines. These are poisons. It's not just fentanyl, which is what they're usually pointing out to. And then uh, number two, and this is a myth out there that up until four months ago, before I did this documentary, I, I also full-heartedly believed. And that was that, you know, fent- fentanyl was essentially being sneaked into people's drugs unbeknownst to them. That's what I thought and going into this and i'm not saying that doesn't happen it does happen but in most cases uh, the addicts are addicted to fentanyl to the high from fentanyl specifically and are actively seeking it out which is why there's so many cases of these quote-unquote safe supply drugs hydromorphone 
uh, you know, that you can get super, you can get it within a day. I'm basically told are just basically being resold by a lot of the addicts to drug dealers to get money to buy fentanyl, which is the drug they want. It's the high they want, and it's incredibly dangerous. And you can overdose uh, from it, obviously, and many people have. But if that's what yeah. addiction is, it's you know taking irrational risks and and doing things you wouldn't otherwise do to achieve the high that you're addicted to. What do you say to the accusation? Aaron, that this is this is a film that's kind of masquerading as as sort of journalism or a documentary, but it really is more of of a political attack on the previous mayor in the city. The, the film has been funded by Chip Wilson, the founder of Lululemon, richest man in Vancouver through his Pacific Prosperity Network. I think you've been quite open about that. That's where some of the funding came from. The film came out on ten days before the last municipal election. Uh, how do you respond to that? This is basically a political hit job, the film. I mean, people can uh, think whatever they want about it. I've been making uh, these kind of, this is a, the third season of Politics Explained. This is just one episode. Uh, I am grateful for uh, Pacific Prosperity Network chipping in a little bit of money, uh, but they were not uh, behind the project by any stretch of the imagination. But it, um, look, it's, it's, I'm going out there, I'm interviewing people. And I'm yeah. and I'm calling it like I see it. I don't pretend to be a reporter. I'm not going out there and and trying to. Everyone's got their biases, and I and I'm not trying to hide mine. But I'm going out right. there and giving my authentic take about how I how I see the situation. But it, but, but it was all, but everyone. it was also it was also meant to damage the previous mayor Kennedy Stewart and make sure he didn't win the the election though, right? I mean that was part of the goal of the video. I definitely wasn't my direct goal. I definitely look at that as a bonus. I think, uh, and I hope huh. that this video remains relevant for, for uh, well, unfortunately, it'll probably be relevant for, for months, if not years to come. But uh, I definitely view that uh, as a bonus. And, and like we kind of talked about earlier, I would have, I never, I never expected this kind of response to the, to right. the video. Like this is in a different kind of stratosphere. Hey, Aaron, last question for you. You're, you know, sure. you're a, a conservative commentator. I know you've done videos in the past, like, criticizing excessive government spending. Now, like my takeaway from watching the film is it seemed to argue more for treatment, recovery, rehabilitation, like get people off of these drugs instead of things like safe supply. That's going to cost a ton of money, right? Like, are you arguing that there should be what massive public resources poured in for rehab and treatment? I, I don't think uh, I personally wouldn't have. I don't think British Columbians would have a problem uh, if this costs a little bit more. If we have to pay uh, taxes, if the situation actually got better, if we were making big big strides and fixing the crime issue, which is which is derivative from from the overdose issue, which is derivative from so many people being addicted to drugs uh, on the side of the street. I think in the long term that would actually reduce the cost because these mm -hmm. band aids. This, this multitude of band-aids we put on the problem, I think, are costing taxpayers more every single month than if we just actually put our heads together and came up with a, with a long-term solution. And I think that has to be, as you mentioned, treatment and recovery. The big problem in, in Vancouver right now, and I don't think the situation is going to get better until we solve this, is it's easier to get illegal, harmful, toxic drugs, uh, including from the government, than it is to get into treatment than it is to get into recovery. And these are okay. our fellow citizens, and we owe them uh, better than this. Aaron, thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. All right. Welcome back to the show.
We continue to talk about this viral video. Vancouver is dying. Over 2 million views on YouTube. You heard my conversation there with Aaron Gunn. He's the creator of the video. Let's get the other side of it now. Guy Felicella is a harm reduction advocate, and he is a uh, former drug ad- advocate in recovery. Hey, Guy, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. Oh, okay, thank you for doing this. So yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this video. I know you've take, taken a look at it. What do you? What did you think of this video? You you don't think it was fair, right? Well, definitely not. I mean, it's it's basically a, a commercial for pol- political purposes. It really had you know absolutely nothing to do with you know inspiring people with with recovery. I mean, it, it's if anything, it's created a lot more stigma, um, poor taste. You know, the people involved with the documentary have no connection to the downtown east side. Uh, of Vancouver at all. Uh, you know, they only go down there with a camera crew. Uh, they don't go down there, you know, to hand out food, meet the public, and, you know, inspire people by, you know, saying that recovery works. They do none of that. Uh, you know, and, and basically, you know, uh, starting to, you know, it's voyeuristic uh, nature of the film, you know, it's mention of no illicit drug supply of how it's increased its toxicity over the last years. Um, and then also, you, you know, I think someone in the film made a statement saying, if you solve addiction, you're actually going to solve, you know, homelessness and, and poverty. I mean, if we solve addiction, is that going to bring gas prices down and food prices down and, um, you know, housing, uh, affordability, uh, absolutely yeah. not. And, you know, and it also too, it doesn't reflect that, you know, people are going to food banks, sleeping in their cars, going to work. Uh, and have jobs, you know, you, it's, it's unaffordable. And, and it, especially in the downtown Vancouver, I mean, it's a heavy unaddressed poverty issue where people haven't no place to go, no place to live. And this is, this is just the way it is. So what the film commercial, you know, who does it, who does it benefit? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the same as in collaboration with the VPD's report that both traffic in misinformation and stigmatization in order to gain, you know, influence and power and profit, you know, it doesn't make recovery attractive. I'm down there constantly, you know, um, trying to, you know, chat with people, getting people to help they need, you know, inspiring people that recovery is possible. Yeah. And this film does, this film does absolutely none of that. It, the film makes a paints a picture of a, a situation in the in the neighborhood that is the worst it's ever been. And I've talked to people on all sides of this. Who and there's one thing everyone can agree on: the situation in the downtown east side is, is a is a desperate situation and 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 worse than ever. And it also focuses on some of the the, the crime that's happening on the streets of, of the neighborhood. Let me play a clip here for you from the film guy and get your thoughts. So this is a retired police officer, Curtis Robinson, uh, speaking in the film Vancouver is Dying. Have a listen to this. We'll get your thoughts. It's absolutely, completely different. You didn't see any of the behavior you see. There was no such thing as stranger attacks. There was no such thing as robbing somebody with a with a needle. There were consequences for your behavior. Now it's a free-for-all. Officer in the neighborhood in the 90s, we're not seeing the same type of problems that we're seeing right now. He calls it a free-for-all. We just got a minute left here, Guy, then we're going to take some phone calls on the other side. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's like, we, you know, 
has the downtown east side uh, gotten worse uh, than it was back then? Sure. To some degree, yes. There's no question on that. Uh, What has been done? I mean, there was violent attacks in the 90s as well. So, you know, there was part of the film that said, you know, one in four people that live in Vancouver are likely to be attacked by a stranger. That, that, like, I mean, is that from the downtown east side? All right. Welcome back to the show as we continue talking about the viral YouTube video, Vancouver is Dying, 2 million views on YouTube. My guest is Guy Felicellov. Guy is a harm reduction advocate, and he also supports uh, recovery. Uh, Guy is uh, struggled with homelessness and addiction for many years in the downtown east side. Okay, Guy, just before we take some calls here. One of the things in the video, and I know this is this really hits home for you here. They try to make the argument in the video that harm reduction is is the wrong way to go, especially when it comes to safe supply of drugs. So this idea that we've got a toxic drug supply in the street, let's give people a, a safe supply of drugs to reduce overdose deaths. Let me play up a section of the video here for you and get your thoughts. So this this is from Vancouver is dying. It gets into this whole harm reduction issue. Then I'll get your thoughts. Government doesn't seem to be interested in addressing drug use as the root cause of homelessness, crime and overdose. Instead, they have focused their energy and resources almost exclusively on a policy known as harm reduction conceived in response to what was at the time seen as unacceptable high of like 150 overdose deaths deaths a year. Now we routinely have over 2,000 overdose deaths a year, right? So you look at how dramatically the rate of overdose has uh, overdoses has accelerated in this province, and I don't know how you reach a conclusion that this has been a success. Guy, that's a sample of the, the video it makes on the argument against harm reduction. What goes through your mind when you hear that? How do you respond to it? I mean, you know, it's just old 80s garbage that, uh, you know, if we didn't have uh, harm reduction services in place, I'll tell you right now, it would be a lot more than 2,000 people dying uh, every year. Um, you, you know, and, and also, too, you know, their aspect is, is you know, go all in on on recovery and treatment well guess what like you know i went through treatment 15 times it doesn't guarantee that somebody's going to walk in and come out three months later there's significant pitfalls um to using substances people relapse people use again people die in today's day and age i mean you have to adapt with what the times is you know enough already i mean you know what everybody just really needs to grow up because Pitting one side against another, all it's doing is hurting the people that are struggling. It doesn't make recovery more attractive to, you know, bash harm reduction or harm reduction to bash recovery. Everybody just needs to sit down and and work together because guess what? The person that's suffering or the person that goes to treatment, this is just creating more and more stigma, which is driving more people into isolation, more people not reaching out. And guess what? They're dying alone. It also doesn't show the fact in the film that, Almost 60% of people are dying in private residence, and they're not in the downtown east side. That's in every community. So, you know, Mm. people just need to stop with this, you know, fears back and forth. Gone are the days where it's and or or it's both. And if you actually look at the funding, uh, more funding goes into recovery and treatment services 
in British Columbia than it does into overdose prevention. So maybe the question should be asked is, why aren't people going to treatment? What's the deal there? Okay, I think that was an interesting point. Okay, let's go to take some phone calls here while we can. Paul in Burnaby. Hi, Paul, go ahead. What would you like to say? Well, let's take that 60% that are doing drugs at home. The reason is because they want to do drugs. And now we're saying the solution is going to be uh, free drugs and clean drugs. And then what are they going to do? They're going to just, you know, it's, you know, the mix with the people with mental problems, mental issues are going to be in there with everybody else, which they are now. You know, the problem is you're not offering any solutions. You're just saying, let's just keep doing what we're doing. And what we're doing isn't working. Okay, well, Guy, how do you see that now? Okay, Guy, can you make the case for a safe supply? Yeah, what, it, what it's meant to do is to remove people from the illicit drug supply that's killing people. And guess what? Like, you know, we have, look at alcohol. We've regulated when alcohol wasn't regulated. People were dying at an alarming rate. You know, it's, it's the same concept. It's not like we're, we haven't done this before. Uh, And guess what? Yeah. People, there needs to be more treatment options for people. Nobody's disputing that. That's the solution is, is that you need a full continuum of care for all things, harm reduction and recovery services. But guess what? Uh, We have a broken systems of care. That's that's the truth of the matter. I mean, you you yourself are uh, living proof that recovery and treatment can work. I mean, as you just said, it took you several tries to to get off drugs, but now, I mean, you're a shining example for everyone that it is possible. So, but you're not saying that you know it should be exclusively harm reduction. You need it all. You see, you'd say harm reduction and treatment, correct? Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You need you need a full systems of care that supports the needs of people. Guess what? I was brought back to life six times. Like the recovery that I have today wouldn't exist. My kids wouldn't exist. What I do today doesn't exist. So, you know, you can't say that it doesn't work or guess what? Like it does. And I'm not, I'm not exception to the rule. I know lots of people that have gotten out of the downtown East side of Vancouver have great lives, uh, work in, uh, you know, helping people, but guess what? Like, you know, there's, there's people out there that were struggling with uh, immense challenges and, and it takes a long time for some people to get over it. And some people may never get over it. Um, the yeah. unfortunate thing is, is that we just sit and point fingers, but listen, you go into that community and you start helping people. I'll tell you right now, it'll change your perspective. Okay. Let's go back to the phone lines. Joe on the line in Vancouver. Hi, Joe, go ahead. Uh, I could speak to this topic for an hour. Um, I, I survived, uh, addiction my my drug of choice was was booze and it wasn't always a problem and then it was life happened to me and uh it, and all of a sudden i you know i was in my suit one day and in, in my office and the next day i'm sitting uh in in a hospital being protected from myself the first point is we do have rules that uh we do have laws to protect individuals uh from themselves the other thing is that we need to stop this dialogue around us versus them. Those people on the downtown east side had moms and dads. They have brothers and sisters. They have loved ones. I happen to be in a situation where I came from an affluent neighborhood with lots of resources and, and lots of family support. It does us no good to uh, to point fingers at anybody. I remind all of the listeners that the most caring society um, takes care of its most vulnerable people. These are vulnerable people. Now, in you know, nobody wants to talk about Riverview. 
and we had Riverview. Right. We can't lock we can't lock people up. I will. I will. The last comment I'll make because I know we're short on time is, I will forever be grateful that my society protected me from myself when I couldn't. Okay, Joe. And, thank you. Thank you for that call, man. I appreciate it, Guy. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know, I'm glad. Uh, I like the. I like the fact. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, and thanks for making it out. And and you're right. You know what? Enough with the, the pointed pink fingers that people are struggling. I think oftentimes what happens in, in with people that go into recovery is that what worked for them, they expect that to work for everybody else. That's not the case. There's multiple pathways, multiple avenues for people to. to to seek recovery and you know it's just it, it's gotten to the point now where you, you know people are, are 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 just getting downright volatile towards each other but guess what man there's there's people that are struggling and there's people that want help but they're afraid and we have to do a better job at meeting the needs of people and giving them all the options that exist but but guess what it's like we don't do that or at what least about, what about what about riverview like do that Hey, we're running out of time here, Guy. You know, the caller mentioned Riverview, and I think this is a top-of-mind issue as well, especially we have a new premier coming in to power next week who has talked about, said he's open maybe to the opening of a, a, a mental health institution. Do you think that for some people on the streets who are suffering with untreated mental illness, that that should be an option, that we, you know, you put people in an institution to care for them? Your thoughts? We have a minute left here. Well, I, I mean, you have to be careful when you're saying uh, something such as Riverview because Riverview caused a lot of people a lot of harm. I mean, that wasn't run in uh, that caused more people mental health issues than than supporting them. So um, do I believe that there needs to be um, something uh, of what for people to access mental health services? So 100 um, yeah. percent, you know, definitely on, on that front, for sure. Uh, people need access to those supports to, you know, to help them and have the ability. But I think a lot of it can also be done um, in community as well. And so you could have multiple uh, inpatient, outpatient uh, programs that, you know, that, that meet okay. the needs of people. Yeah. Okay, Guy, we could keep talking about this. There's more calls coming in. So a lot of people want to have their say. We'll just simply have to have you back on again. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Mike.